You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner fans? Welcome to the Locked On Sooner podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host today, David Walker. I'm a former Sooners offensive lineman and also co-host of the Iron Horse podcast, along with my good friend Brandon Carr, former Dallas Cowboy. You can follow me on Twitter at D underscore walk 74, and you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. If you're listening right now, if you wouldn't mind, if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit pause, leave us a five-star rating, write us a review, and keep on listening, but be sure to uh, to give us a rating and a review whenever you get a chance. We appreciate that feedback. But today we've got a crossover segment coming up with the host of Locked On Longhorns. We're going to talk about the Steve Sarkeesian hire. We're going to talk about how that affects the Big 12 coaching landscape and kind of give our top five Big 12 coaches going into 2021. So I've got Patrick Kahn of Locked On Horns coming on with us for segments two and three. But in segment one, the news of the day for Sooner fans Ramondre Stevenson officially declared for the NFL draft. I don't think any of us were caught off guard by that. Some of us were probably a little bit disappointed. Some of us had probably, you know, convinced ourselves that it might happen that he comes back and it allowed ourselves to dream a little bit about what that backfield could look like with a healthy Ramondre, Kennedy Brooks, Major, and McGowan, and just have all the weapons back. And as of this recording, we're still holding out hope for Ronnie Perkins' return, but. You know, either way, big news out of Norman that Ramondre Stevenson declared officially to go to the NFL. And, you know, I, I think it I think it's the right thing for him just as a as a player from the standpoint of that's a running back that is a big bruiser and he's probably leaving at the right time. His ceiling has probably uh, been met. I don't know that he could come back next year and do much more to prove himself than what he did this year. And that's one side of it. The on the field side, I think the only the only argument for him coming back might have been, you know, our, our GM's going to look at him with his, you know, the he came out of a junior college. He had, he's had a lot of adversity everywhere he's been um, and had to, you know, he's never been able to play just a full out season where or two consecutively where he's shown the durability and the ability to on and off the field, you know, be staying and doing the right things. And so, you know, maybe if he came back, had an, a great senior year and did all the right things on and off the field, maybe it increases his round by, you know, maybe he's a second round pick. I don't know that he could have done anything to be a first rounder, but all he's got to do is get one team to fall in love with him and his running back style. It's, I don't know if it's Marshawn Lynch esque, but it's a, it's a physical style of football that he plays. He also has soft hands out of the backfield, catching passes, can do some things out of the pass game. And obviously the, the NFL GMs value Lincoln Riley guys. So I think he's going to be able to come in with versatility. He's going to come in with momentum after what he did to Florida, regardless of who was playing in that game, the plays he made were impressive. The way he turned this offense around when he came back was impressive. So I think that he's got nothing but momentum in front of him, but man, there's a little bit of me that says, gosh, every, every guy that Oklahoma has that as soon as they start to be on that trajectory upwards, you feel like they're still going up. Like they never fully peaked as a sooner and then they're gone. You know, they're, they have that great year and you're thinking, oh man, if they just come back one more year, one, they can maybe be a first round pick for sure. And two, man, how much better will our team be next year if that guy comes back? 
And more often than not, they don't come back. You know, they kind of hit that. I feel like they're, you know, if, if, if 10 is their ceiling, they're kind of at that 7.8, 8.2, 8.5 range. And all of a sudden it's like, we never get to see them as a sooner at that nine to 10 mark uh, of where they were going to be. And, and, you know, as much as some of you may love the NFL product for me, I'd like to see those guys stick around in crimson and cream for one more year, especially when 2021 seems to be a year that is very favorable for OU for not only their own roster, but for the way that the teams that they're chasing are going to be coming back next year. Cause you look around the country, Clemson's not going to have, Trevor Lawrence, Ohio State's not going to have Justin Fields, Alabama's not going to have Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith, and that's the big three. They're all going to be replacing quarterbacks, and Alabama's going to be replacing the coordinator. How much that matters, who knows? I mean, they got Nick Saban, so I doubt it'll matter much, but Clemson is reeling. They're coming off of a blowout loss. They're losing their their guy, so they're going to be faced with some adversity for the first time in their program. North Carolina is an improved team in their league. Miami has been improved in their league. So, you know, the ACC next year, I still expect Clemson to come out of that league, but it's, it's more wide open than it's ever been for Oklahoma going into 2021. So from that standpoint, it would have been great to have a Ramondre Stevenson back. It would certainly be great if Ronnie Perkins came back, but I think Kennedy Brooks and you know everybody that's out there covering this, this football team right now, is really excited about Kennedy Brooks. And a lot of people have, you know, kind of been putting out these tweets that, you know, don't sleep on Kennedy Brooks. Yes. He took the year off. Yes. He opted out. But prior to that, he was super versatile and kind of has that smooth running style. It's a thousand yard back and hadn't, has never had that opportunity that, that Ramondre had this year, just to be the, the feature back, the main back. He was always splitting time, whether that be with Trey Sermon, whether that be with Trey Sermon and Ramondre Stevenson, he's never really been that guy that's going to get the ball 20 to 25 times a game. So if he's ready and he's healthy and he's able to do that next year, who knows what this guy can, you know, what limit the, that has uh, for Kennedy Brooks. And you also have, you know, Marcus Major and Seth McGowan. They're going to be right there pushing him as well. So I think you got three good backs. So while Ramondre moving on, yes, it's a little bit disappointing from what the 2021 team could have been. I think it's probably the right move for him. And, and guys, I think it can't be understated that the impact this season had with everybody, like take the suspension out of it. I think there was probably some frustration. I'm sure like thinking about you're suspended for half the year by the NCAA. Do you really want to come back and be under that umbrella for another year? Probably not. And then this COVID year, you're playing in front of, you know, empty stadiums for the most part, and you're not getting to do anything fun as a college athlete outside of football probably not the most uh, enjoyable thing to think about coming back for a whole nother year of that. So that to me, all that stuff factors in. And that's why I won't be surprised if Ronnie Perkins makes the same decision because there's no certainty around 2021 right now either. I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee that we're going to have 85,000 fans in the stands in Norman next fall. There's no guarantee that they're going to be playing in front of packed stadiums everywhere where they go, that they're going to have the same carefree campus life in the fall that they've always enjoyed prior to this year. So the college football experience has been, there's been a major damper put on that. So when the NFL is sitting there and they've got the money to, to offer and you're healthy and you feel like it's your time, it's really hard to expect these guys to raise their hand and come back for another year. So we'll continue to, to hold out some hope for Ronnie Perkins. Hopefully over the weekend we get some good news on that front. Regardless of what news we get, we'll be sure to be back here on Monday to cover it. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to be bringing on Patrick Kahn, 
of Locked On Longhorns, and I really want to get his perspective on Steve Sarkeesian hire because I wasn't that high on it. I I can see some of the reasons that they made the hire, but I want to get his take, given that he's got his finger on the pulse of uh, the, the Longhorns beat and how they feel about that and what they're chasing when in regards to Oklahoma. Does this improve their status nationally? Does this improve their status in the Big 12? We're going to talk about that with Patrick Kahn when we're back here on Locked on Sooners. But are you ready for some football? Well, college football's got the national championship game coming up on Monday, but the NFL playoffs start this weekend, and for the first time ever, there are six wild card games. And I know all of you Oklahoma fans have a special eye on the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield leading them into the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. In year three, he's led this great turnaround, so I know it'll be all eyes on Baker for Sooner Nation, but you got five other wild card games to watch and, and lay down a bet. And if you're looking to lay down some bet, you're looking for some action, there's only one place that we trust, the one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. So subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And now it's time for a little bit of a crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got the host of Locked On Longhorns, Patrick Kahn, on with us right now to talk about this new hire down in Austin with Steve Sarkeesian. Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, I'm really excited to get your take on this. I know John and I covered this last week. Uh, when the, the hire was announced, we spent a little bit of time talking about that and kind of gave our our farewell to Tom Herman. Obviously, he provided you know a lot of uh, back and forth with Sooner fans and kind of had a lot of fun with Tom Herman over the last four years, You know, all in good fun on Twitter and things like that. But now they've moved on. Steve Sarkeesian is in town. What was your take on the hire and what's the general impression down there in Austin? You know, a lot of people were not – necessarily thrilled at first uh they know the history you know what he did at, at washington and we know the circumstances in which you know he had to leave you know, usc 18 games into his tenure um you know and he kind of went through this rehabilitation uh kind of what you know alabama fans are calling it because uh if you're a coach on the outs you come to alabama you be an analyst you work your way and then you know you work with saban and then you move on but you have to think about it Tom Herman was always viewed as this offensive minded guru, but it never really worked. And I think, you know, his brash attitude, his demeanor, his antics on the sideline, his antics in meeting rooms, it never worked. It never gelled. And it, 
you know, he gives us impression that he's the smartest guy in the room. And so Sark is, it feels like a completely different dynamic. And, you know, there is a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. Stan Drayton, the running backs coach, who's been vital to them in, in recruiting is staying on. They're bringing in Kyle Flood as the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. I mean, you know, we're hearing more and more names, but there is a level of excitement and a level of recruiting that, uh, I mean, as you know, following Sooners, uh, the recruiting at Texas is, is taking a nosedive over the last, you know, six to eight months. And so Sark is bringing uh, a little bit of excitement and enthusiasm there as he tries to put together his staff and, and finalize this transition class of 2021. Well, what do you think he's going to do on the defensive coordinator position? I know there have been a couple of names mentioned. Uh, some have thought about Will Muschamp, who is a former Texas defensive coordinator, currently looking for a position. And a name that Sooner fans uh, find intriguing, and for a couple of different reasons, would be Mike Stoops, who's also been there with him at Alabama. What are you hearing on the defensive coordinator front? Well, uh, so the story came out that Will Muschamp turned down the Texas job and which is not fact. Uh, Will Muschamp was never offered the job because uh, he he made it clear that he's not looking to jump back into coaching in 2021. Uh, could that change with a certain uh, move? It's possible. I mean, you, you never know with these things. I mean, there could be a job that's too good to pass up. So he was a name. Uh, another name they're considering is the former Atlanta coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, he spent some time under Will Muschamp at Florida uh, back in 2011, 2012, before heading to back, going back to the NFL, he's a name that's on there. Uh, Arnett is a guy that's on there. There also there are recent reports that we're seeing about the actual the the Alabama defensive coordinator and P. Golding. Uh, so right now, it, it feels like we're getting a new name every day. Uh, it, it it doesn't seem like that's really been nailed down. They've had conversations with Corey Rain out of LSU. Uh, who's kind of the recruiting coordinator and, and defensive back coach. And so right now it feels up in the air. I feel like I have a pretty good hold on the offensive staff. The defensive staff just feels up in the air, and I don't think we're going to get a final answer until after the national championship game is completed on Monday. Okay, so is there any potential at all for a Mike Stoops being on this staff in any capacity? Uh, I don't think so. I think, I you know, that was a name – uh, we, we had heard his name uh, almost immediately after Sarkeesian was named head coach, but it, it, it doesn't seem like there's any traction there. Okay. Well, I think that would provide probably more intrigue to the matchup than I think it would actually benefit Texas uh, on that side of the football. And that's, I think Mike Stoops is a fine coach. I think in the right scheme and the right setup, he would, he would do well uh, somewhere, but uh, certainly that would be provide some intrigue. But as you look at the, uh, you know, this Harkeesian hire, obviously, uh, the Alabama rub is real, right? I mean, he's he's about to go play for a national championship on Monday night. He's got the Heisman Trophy winner. He's got the Davey O'Brien winner. And, you know, Texas put out a tweet last week, or here this week, I guess, after the Heisman ceremony. They put the Heisman Trophy out there. And, you know, both A&M fan and Sooner fan alike took a lot of shots at that. It, is Texas – are they looking to – you know, do you feel like there's an intentional strategy to say, hey, we're trying to insert ourselves into these games right now? Because I, I I go back to the day that they fired Herman and they hired Sarkeesian. Happened to be on the day that Mac Brown is playing Texas A&M later that night in the Orange Bowl. And all of a sudden, like the story became that morning in the pregame, Texas. And on the on the postgame, it became Texas. And now 
the national championship game is happening and Texas is going to be in that conversation again. Do you feel like there was some strategic play there to say, hey, we can kind of put our chips on the table and get in those conversations? Yeah, I think – I mean, I, th- I think there is some validity to that. Uh, like you said, I mean, not only that, but Texas basketball had one of their biggest wins of the year on that same day. Nobody was talking about it. I mean, they upset Kansas in Lawrence, you know, and, and that's a huge thing because Texas only won in Lawrence, I think, twice and loss of Bill Self's uh, career at home. And so there was, there was a lot of that, but nobody was talking about because they fired Herman and Sarkeesian. I think there was a lot of that. And I know that people made shots about the, the Twitter post. I even said it. I said, well, I was like, when did Texas football become Aggie football? Because that's kind of, it felt like that was their, their thing. They're always, you know, rah, rah, SEC, all that. And so, yeah, I looked at it that same way, but I think it, I think it's a recruiting play. I think it's a play to get, you know, people talking about Texas, obviously naming Sark a head coach. And uh, as you can see, if you paid attention to any of the media sessions that they've had prior to the national championship game, they're asking Steve Sarkeesian, they're asking Nick Saban, they're asking Devonta Smith about Sarkeesian going to Texas. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think it was a it was a ploy to you know kind of get their name out there and and get people talking about Texas uh, in in that light just for for multiple reasons and I think recruiting's at the head of it. Yeah, and I think if that was part of the the thought, I mean, mission accomplished. They've certainly got themselves in those conversations. And when we come back next segment, we're going to talk with Patrick about where Steve Sarkeesian fits in in the Big Twelve coaching hierarchy. Is he a top five, top three? Where, where is he at? Where is he, um, you know, need to prove himself? We're going to talk about that. We're going to give our top five coaches in the Big 12 Conference heading into 2021. We're back here on Locked On Sooners. A college football season like no other will crown its champion, and the Locked On Podcast Network is covering it from all angles. Listen to Locked On Buckeyes and Locked On Bama for in-depth, expert, local coverage of each team. Subscribe to Locked On College Football for previews and recaps of the final showdown for this season's college football championship. And we're back here on Locked On Sooners with Patrick Kahn of Longhorns Wire, host of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Patrick, let's talk about this Big 12 coaching uh, situation that we have now. Obviously, Herman's out, Sarkeesian's in, and you still got you got a lot of continuity for the most part outside of that in the Big 12 conference. There's, uh, you know, obviously Baylor made the hire last year, bringing in Dave Aranda, similar situation coordinator off of a defending national champion and Sarkeesian may be the coordinator off the defending national champion. So some influx there, you got less miles. Yes. He's at Kansas, but former national championship head coach up there who also, you know, had some success in the big 12 at Oklahoma state prior. And you kind of forget about less miles up there. Cause Kansas has been so terrible, but I mean, that guy won an sec title, won a national title. And he's sitting up there in Lawrence, just kind of hanging out. I mean, he's getting paid well. He's he's not winning any games, but he's a national championship coach in the league. So as you look at this landscape of Big 12 coaches, I've got a, a kind of a thought process about where I have my coaches ranked in the top five, but what is your top five Big 12 coaches as you head into 2021? Uh, well, you know, so I think when you look, look at it, even I'll look at my, I'll tell you my rankings last year, you know, I had, you know, Lincoln Riley at number one. And then right behind him was kind of a tussle between, uh, you know, Tom Herman as the second best head coach, uh, given what he had and, and what they've accomplished under him. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy, uh, Matt Campbell, and, uh, you know, uh, Gary Patterson. Those were my top five. And so to me, you take Herman out, and I think you get an improvement with Steve Sarkeesian. Now, 
we don't know who's going to be on the staff to do that. But I still think from a X's and O's standpoint and what he can do offensively, I think Steve still has to be up there in the top five. Um, you know, I, I think those are the five best coaches. I mean, yeah, you, you talk about the things that Les Miles has done, but, you know, he's so far removed from that. You know, is he still at that level? I mean, we know it at a certain point, coaches lose that competitive edge or, uh, you know, and so when I look at a Les Miles, I think he's talented. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and I think the head coach down at uh, Baylor is talented. Uh, but, you know, when I look at it from that standpoint, that that's where I'm at. Uh, obviously, I'm going to put Lincoln Riley number one because, you know, he's the top coach until you can knock him off. Um, and, then, and then it becomes a tussle between, you know, Gundy Patterson, uh, Matt Campbell with the job that he did last year. Um, you know, two through five is really tight for me, and that's kind of where I put him in there. I can see that, and I, I totally agree on Les Miles. I think that the, um, you know, that was a hire by Kansas just trying to, in, from my opinion, I think it tried to pop some some national credibility. I mean, they got the, uh, the, I think it's called Miles to Go on the ESPN Plus thing where they got a little documentary. I mean, I don't know who's watching a Kansas football documentary, but they got it on there at streaming. So, uh, Sooner fans, yeah. if you're totally bored, uh, if 2020 didn't bore you out of your mind with quarantine time and you need something else to kill, go check out some Kansas uh, football documentary. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's really, I think it's an intriguing coaching situation because I think Dave Aranda, I think two years from now, we're going to look at Dave Aranda and have a whole different conversation around him because Baylor, they didn't win many games, but they were right there in the fight in almost every game they played. I and mean, they, they played better than their record showed. Um, and it, it kind of re- yeah. reminded me of Matt Rule when he took over. They didn't win any games. They were building and they laid a foundation. But I, I would put a guy in there, one that you didn't mention that I, I am really high on and probably for good reason, just as a Sooner fan, but I've got Chris Kleiman in that group as well. And the job he's done at Kansas State, I think, you know, if Skylar Thompson stays healthy this year, they have a much better finish. I don't know that they would have uh, competed for the league title or anything like that. They wouldn't have done what Iowa State did, but I think they probably win maybe one or two more games. But I think what he did at North Dakota State, I mean, he's a dynasty builder and people have different thoughts and, and different uh, levels of respect for the FCS level. But I mean, when you look at what North Dakota State has done up there, winning championships is hard. And it's not like they have that many more resources. You know, the FCS level, they don't really have, there's there's not as much haves and have nots as there are at the division one power five level. So for what he built up there, the kind of quarterbacks that he's produced and you know, they're about to have it. They got a top five guy coming out this year, a top five quarterback on uh, Todd McShay's big board that I'm sure Chris Kleiman recruited. So I think that he's going to get that thing going. And I, I see him, you know, he's beat, beat Lincoln rally twice. So he's another guy that I would put in that mix. But for me, I go Lincoln rally one and you know, as much as he, um, as much heat as he takes for not being able to beat Oklahoma, Mike Gundy just keeps coming along. And I, I'm not going to put him at number two right now because I think that he, he is another guy that I would question the fire. He's been there for so long. I don't know that he has the fire underneath him from administration to to win it all or, to, you know, that has that pressure to to do more than he's doing. But I would put Matt Campbell at number two right now. I'd put Mike Gundy at number three just because of – Again, he's done it over a longer period of time. While Sarkeesian does have the cachet of being with Bama and he has had some success as a head coach, he hasn't had the kind of he hasn't had the level of success anywhere that Mike Gundy has had at Oklahoma State for that that type of uh, tenure. So I mean if you look at Gundy, he's got a Big Twelve title. He's had, you know, lots of uh lots of solid seasons. A perennial top twenty five team. So uh, to me I will put Gundy at number three. I'll put 
it's kind of a tie to me. Like, and again, I, I just go into this, like this thought of until, until proven otherwise, your record is what it is. Right. So he's 10 games over 500 roughly. And, you know, to me, and I, I don't want to just poo poo the hire here because I think there's a, some upside with him, but I, I don't really see him coming in as anywhere higher than number four. So I, I would put him at number four because I think he's going to have the resources to win but I would put climate at number five and, and I'd have Patterson at six. And again, I would, the reason I would have Patterson there is similar to what you have about less miles. I think that's, it's the, the older these guys get, the longer they're in these positions and they don't have the administrative pressure to be a big 12 championship, you know, level contender every year. I think those guys kind of get a little bit complacent, but it's, it's really, that's six pretty good coaches right there in that top six. Yeah. And uh, at one point that you made that I was kind of uh in agreements on it. You talk about Dave Aranda and what he's doing down there. And you have to think about it. They just hired Jeff Grimes. You saw what he did at BYU with Zach Wilson. You know, I think that offense is really going to take off for them. And then uh, obviously being a defensive minded coach, I think Baylor's going to be a lot better next year than, than a lot of people think right now. Um, you know, I can, I can agree with with your list and climbing does fantastic. And Trey Lance is a guy that, like you said, he's likely uh, was recruited by him uh, at, at North Dakota state. And he's, looking like he's going to be a first round draft pick this year. So uh, yeah, you, you really have to watch him. And I think agree, I agree with you a hundred percent with what you said about Skylar Thompson. If he's healthy, Kansas state's a much better football team. Um, you know, it, with the freshman quarterback, uh, Will Howard, you know, how much better could somebody else do in those shoes with that situation that was going on, especially with COVID-19 and losing so many players uh, you know, that's a tough deal. So yeah, I think, I mean, I think that we're fairly, consistent with our with our top fives as far as the head coaches go in the big 12 pecking order yeah and i think that's really where you know i and i guess if i kind of circle back to the texas hire on that obviously the urban meyer rumors were so strong really for like the whole month of november and maybe even earlier than that in, in the world that you're in but it really started getting national heat uh you know around november and i think as it went into december Sooner fans were kind of, you know, I, I kind of looked at it from two different perspectives. There's one side of it you say, man, you know, do you really want Urban Meyer down there in Austin to try to go build something? And on the other side of it, I would say, well, if you're a Sooner fan, you you kind of need Texas to, if they're going to go hire somebody, you might as well have them, you know, get somebody that's going to bring more credibility to the conference. And Urban Meyer would have brought credibility to the league just from the way he plays, what he's built in other places. So in some ways, I feel like if, even if he didn't turn it around, it might have been a better win for Oklahoma if they were going to continue to 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 win those games. It might have been a better win to be able to have that win over an Urban Meyer coached Longhorns team, or at least if you lose, you lost to Urban Meyer. So I, I was I, I kind of saw it from that standpoint, but I also see it from the standpoint of when you throw that name out there and you flirt with that so publicly, it, no matter who they were going to hire, it was going to be a little bit of a letdown. But to not bring in somebody that was going to be right there as like a definitive battle Lincoln Riley to be the number one coach in the Big 12, that, that was there a thought around the program or just around the, the Longhorn beat that, that, that it just felt like there was, should have been maybe somebody that had more cachet or somebody that had more head coaching success given that Urban Meyer was so prominently talked about? Yeah, and, and I'll speak to those rumors. Those rumors really kicked up uh, in early October. Uh, after the TCU loss and the way that they lost, how they performed the week before against Tech, need a miracle. Uh, and then going into uh, the Cotton Bowl, 
to face Oklahoma. And, you know, it was supposed to be a, a down year for Oklahoma. It was Texas' best shot uh, at competing for the Big 12 championship and kind of trying to take over uh, the spot that Oklahoma's been in for, you know, the last six years or so. And so that, that was all of that culminated, and that's where it's really started, and that's when the conversation started. Uh, as far as, you know, going after and, and Urban Meyer and missing, yeah, a lot of people had kind of that mentality of maybe we should have gone after somebody with a little more head coaching experience. Because if you look at some of the hires that Chris Del Conte was making at Texas, he was going after proven head coaches, guys that have been in the – uh, like the softball coach, he went out and got somebody who'd been in the college world series. He did the same thing with the baseball coach, a basketball coach. He went and got um, Schaefer from Mississippi state. What did he do? He played in the national championship game twice, you know? And so that's what we thought when, in the, you know, I wrote this uh, looking at head coaches, but okay. So are they must be looking at guys who have college football playoff experience. There were a couple coaches that I thought fit that outside of an urban Meyer, um, and they weren't even in contention, it didn't feel like. So uh, there was some talk about that uh, for sure. So I think you're dead on there. Um, you know, they, I think they went with Sarkeesian because I think they looked at it and go, okay, we missed on Urban Meyer. We struck out on Saban several years ago. Let's get a disciple, somebody who's, you know, trained directly under him to try and bring some of that culture to Texas because they understand that culture is a problem in Austin. They realized that throughout the Herman era, and I think that's why they made that change when they did. Yeah, and as, as much fun as John and I had, and you know, obviously just tongue-in-cheek with the hashtag Extend Tom Herman movement that we uh, tried to, to cultivate. I, I know you didn't you know, always care for our, our tweets, but it was, uh, it was fun. <laughs> it was funny. It was fun. You know, it, and, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, there, there, actually there were some head coach names that I had heard and, and people were trying to talk about, oh, let's get this guy. I'm like, forget that. Extend Tom Herman. I don't want, I don't want that coach. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, there were times where I used it myself. So, well, but, all good for but when you look at that, though, I, I do think that, you know, regardless of how much Oklahoma fans would have loved to have seen Tom Herman stick around. I think the fact that you have your rival fan base is pulling for that coach to stick around. Is it the biggest indicator that you probably do need to make a change? Um, but I, I do think that it was, it was the right thing to move on from him. I, I think that he was clearly not the right fit. I don't think he, I think, I feel like that program was too big for him. And my biggest criticism of Tom Herman wasn't that he couldn't beat Oklahoma or that he wasn't winning the big 12. I just didn't feel like he, he operated that program like a serious person. You know, I feel like he was, he showed a lot of immaturity at times and to be the, the, the head man of the biggest program in the state of Texas, you just, to me, and maybe I'm old school on that, but there's a certain way you need to kind of carry yourself and present yourself. And I just feel like he was beneath the position in, in his antics a lot. The antics bothered me a lot. The uh, national signing day, flipping the double birds at the camera. Oh, I didn't know the cameras were on or I didn't know we were live. Uh, I, I don't care about that. Mocking Drew Law and that ball on the sideline. I didn't care for that. I didn't care for a lot of his antics. Now the team, the players seemed to like him and the, and you know, the, there was plenty of times where he stood up for him and, and all of those things. Uh, but what it boils down to is, is winning football games. And I always felt like with Tom Herman in recruiting that he didn't bring Texas players. When you look at a Texas roster, yes, he would get a top player. He would get a top safety like a Caden Stearns, a BJ Foster. He would go out to Arizona and get a Bajon Robinson, who is fantastic this year. But for for the most part, it felt like the class was beneath where you should be. 
Like I felt like he was bringing players that he would recruit at the University of Houston to Texas. And and so when I looked at that, I was like, nah, you need to you need to raise the level. And that was always my big issue with with his recruiting and the fact that you had a guy like Quinn Ewers who grew up a Texas fan, diehard, wanted nothing more to play for your program. He leaves legacy players like the Brockermeyer twins decided to go to Alabama. Why? There was something going on there in Austin, and I think a big part of it was Tom Herman. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And again, I think they they did the right thing in moving on. I think the the obviously the jury's out on whether they did the right thing by making the hire that they made. And I think only time is going to tell that. And only only wins in the Cotton Bowl and wins in Arlington will probably determine whether that's the was the right move or not. Because I think at the end of the day, those are the two that they need uh, that they need to get. And I think if they're winning both those games, I think it doesn't matter doesn't matter who's in that head coaching seat. They're going to be happy with them. So. Uh, Patrick, thanks for coming on with us tonight, man. I appreciate your uh, your insight and and uh, your perspective on that. And uh, l- let our listeners know where they can follow you. Oh yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Um, always talking Big Twelve football, Texas football. I, I talk a little bit of everything. Well, be sure to go follow Patrick. And until next time, for John Williams, I'm David Walker. Boomer Sooner. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.